Hey guys, this is Leah Hendershot, your host for Well on Less, where we take somewhat overwhelming ideas of living well and make them simple and easy to implement and live by. Hey guys, welcome to episode 20, and this is continuing our In the Dirt series, our gardening series, and I'm going to throw some more tips at you guys today. I originally was going to try and cover several things, and then as I wrote it down, I was like, oh boy, here I go again. This is growing really large. So I'm just going to talk about composting and planting your garden today as best as possible. These two, I would not say I have mastered by any means, but I don't think anyone really ever masters gardening anyway. There's people that know a ton, but you are always you are always a student. And so I'm prefacing it with, I don't know a ton, but I can give you information and my experience with compost and with planting your garden. And first we're gonna talk about compost because my basic belief is why would we dump our grass clippings and our leaves and our food scraps why would we just send that off to the landfill or throw it in a ditch or dump it somewhere in our yard if you live you know out in the country why are we not recycling that um, those nutrients and that carbon and it just makes sense to me it's and if you live in the city like we do there is multiple reasons <laughs> to compost even if you do not do it perfectly it is so important to have that breakdown i can't remember the exact numbers and maybe i've referenced referenced it in a previous episode but i was listening to a podcast with joel salatin and he was talking about how somewhere in Europe there was a city, and I think it was somewhere around 6,000 chickens they gave to 3,000 homes. And it decreased, it was insane, the amount of compost, I mean, the amount of trash tonnage that was kept out of the landfill just from having two chickens in the backyard that people fed their food scraps to. So if you got chickens, great you can feed them your food scraps but also you can compost them and the thing with chickens is too if you use their chicken poop you can also compost that but of course like we talked about last time it needs to be um what's the term seasoned it needs to be you don't want to just put fresh chicken poop on your garden it definitely needs to go through the process of breaking down so it's very important and there are a lot of things that people don't, maybe it's not important to them, but think about how just from a, you know, if you live in the city and pay for trash service, it's really nice to be able to be able to put more in your trash that's actually trash. Um, not that I enjoy that at all, but we, we recycle and we compost our food scraps and it cuts down on our trash significantly. Like maybe... Well, maybe a little bit more now, but when the kids were maybe even a year or two ago, we would have a one kitchen bag full of trash a week. That was it. So, yeah, and it makes you feel good. So, anyway, let's get to talk about compost a little bit, and I'm going to have some links for you guys for sure 
on both compost and planting. So I'm going to start with compost just because that's where I want to start. So I have tried different methods of compost and one of my favorite books is called Let It Rot and it's by Stu Campbell, that's S-T-U, Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L and I'll have a link to that, an Amazon link to that. And it's a really small, it's a small, it's not a tiny book. Let's see, how many pages does it have? Um, but it's very easy to read. So of actual information, there's 145 pages. So it's really, and it's very easy to read. Um, so that's one of my favorite books, Let It Rot. It's easy. It um, breaks it down very simply. I also will put a link to our local extension center. I've talked about that through this whole in the dirt series um, they had a really nice class online class webinar about compost so I'll put that in the links as well um, because they really broke it down really nicely but essentially there are different ways and I'll just quickly go through these as quickly as I can of composting so if you're like me you're in the city it, yes it would be so nice <laughs> like if you have any sort of space even if you have like we, we're on a city lot I don't even know how big this lot is but even if you're in the city and have a bigger lot you can still do more with compost that's been my struggle is having the space to do the way I really would prefer which is the lasagna method or it's called different things um, so that's been my main struggle but if you have space to do like just a big pile of compost count yourself very 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 um, blessed <laughs> but we all can do it so the first is just the heap method which heap not heat heap method um, and that's the least amount of work you just essentially pile stuff up and let it break down eventually and it will that is like just the easiest method and I've done that before I took three free pallets there's usually always somebody getting rid of pallets on marketplace or Craigslist, wherever you go, your local um, swap and shop group or something. And so I took those three and then I think I took a smaller one and I somehow made a front on it. So I could, I made like a three-sided, three-sided bin and then I put a door on the front because you want to have access to it so you can turn it over. And I just put it in a corner at our previous house and I just threw everything on there and then would turn it over. Sometimes I wouldn't turn it over for a while and it still broke down. So the only thing with pallets is you're going to need to line it or else, you know, it has gaps in it. Um, so that was, you know, at least it's all breaking down, um, but it's just not really the most proper way of composting because I'm sure um, it wasn't heating up inside as much as it should. And you want it to heat up inside, not only to break it down, but also to kill off um, seeds, like weed seeds and things like that. So you, if you have two piles, that's better. Okay, moving on. There's another process called the indoor process. And there's a guy named Sir Albert, Sir Albert Howard that they kind of say oh he was you know kind of started to think about this composting method but essentially 
you build it like sandwich layers or lasagna layers. And that one is um, more, you're watching more of the moisture content, the heat that it's generating with a thermometer and those sorts of things. So let's get through this as quickly as possible. Um, and there is a University of California method and that's where you, let's see, how do I condense this? This is really, really big. So you chop or shred everything you put in there and then you blend a nit nitrogenous activator like manure or carbonaceous material like leaves and grass clippings and you turn it every three days to expose the materials to heat in the center of the pile. So a lot of these are play on the same thing, obviously. Um, and then there's the Ogden three pile system. So you're essentially rotating the three piles um, in their different stages. And um, let's see what else I think. Yeah, so there are different ways of doing compost, but there's also different, like you can just do it in a heap. You can just do it and, you know, make your own like container, or, you know, three pile. I know at our extension center, they have the three, the three section. Um, so you're, you're taking it from one section and put it in, in another. For me, I found that I like to compost, but keeping up with that rotational, it doesn't have to be perfect. That's just, it's just for me, it can be difficult. So I have tried the heap method, heap method. Um, I have put a big box in the ground um, and drilled holes around it and in the bottom and you just put everything in there and make sure every time you add to it, add your um, greens, you're adding browns. So you always want about a 50-50 ratio of your greens, which are all your food scraps, essentially. Um, and then you want about, you want a 50% and then add leaves or dried the grass is considered a brown to some people, and some people say no, um, but you can do shredded paper. You can, just the other day on Marketplace, I don't know why it came up, but people were selling bags of shredded paper. So you can literally go and get bags of shredded paper. If you're doing the lasagna method or the, the, the layer method, that's really good. It's really good because you know you have that consistent, finely shredded source of browns. Newspaper works. Just always throw in something, like I'll just grab thin paper from the my, our recycling and just rip it up and throw it in there. So I've put the box in the ground method. It does break down, but it's just a little, um, you really, <laughs> my box is not big enough. It fills up very, very quickly. So that's the second one I've tried. Now I am trying a tumbler where you open up the side or well, actually, I don't know if it'd be the top or the side. I guess it'd be considered, well, it's the side of the barrel, but the barrel's on its side, so it's kind of the top. And you throw everything in there and you just uh, roll it and tumble it over. That's nice, and the tumbler was here at our new house, but you're lacking the, the, the interaction with the soil. And I think that... Um, is kind of a, you know, it's not sealed off totally because there's holes in it for drainage and things, but it's just sealed off from the earth. But I'm giving it a try. There are other 
there are all kinds of other composters out there, container composts, um, which work really well for the city, especially um, because you don't want to attract varmints, you know, raccoons and all that kind of stuff. So what I found about compost is if you compost and you don't have massive amounts, I personally don't compost for massive amounts of compost. I compost just to be able to recycle what we're already using and to just be able to add a little bit back to my pots or a little bit back to a plant or two in the garden. If you want lots of compost, you're going to have to find that local. So I just want to be upfront about that. Um, if you are expecting loads of of compost, you're going to have to have massive amounts of compost piles. You have to have lots of compost piles. So just know that really, if unless you can do it on a grand scale, it's still worth it. I still like knowing that it's going back to the earth. It's not being chunked in the, the landfill. Um, and it's still going, the nutrients are still going back into my garden, no matter how much, even if it's a little, it's still doing that. So um, and that's kind of also why I do my best, but I don't worry too much about it. And you're not going to create enough compost to cover your whole garden unless you have, you live in the country and you just have massive amounts and you have a big heap is what most people do in the country. Um, and that heats up, that does heat up really well, usually in the center. So get the book and let it rot and I'll put that link to the K-State video and yeah I think that's about it for compost let's see alternate your greens and browns 50-50 don't underestimate the things in your yard now I try and keep anything super tough and fibrous out of my compost because it takes so long to break down and so, you know, I don't do sticks or those sorts of things. We just burn them either in our fireplace or in our um, solo stove outside. Um, but I don't put things like that. Even It even takes a long time for, like, tomato stalks, tomato, whatever you want to call them, to break down, um, you know, fairly quickly. So just know anything that's pretty tough is not going to break down very, very quickly. The, the more, um, the smaller the pieces, the more easily it's broken down. Eggshells, crush them, um, but eggshells take a long time to break down, a really, really long time to break down. I still throw them in there, absolutely, because that's a lot of calcium and other things that are going back to the earth. But just know that anything hard-ish is not going to break down and always just make it as small as possible if you can. Okay, so I'm going to leave it at that for compost. That was 15 minutes on compost and I don't know a lot about it. <laughs> okay, planning. Let's go to planning. Now, I put in the last podcast, I put a link to a website that essentially helps you find your, your local extension center. I'll emphasize that over and over and over. They often have you can you can buy books with garden planning in it a garden garden planning chart in it you know you could search for it you don't even have to have a book you can search for it but 
The good thing about your local extension center is it's geared for your local climate. And I think we're in zone six. Some people take it even more down to zone six B, whatever that means. I'm sure somebody could explain it to me, but um, that is your first. So I'll put that one for sure for you guys, how to find your local extension center. But I also will put a link to our extension center uh, vegetable garden planting guide. They actually have like a 40, 40 page whole book. Just, I think it's at least that, um, just for our area, our local area. So those people are saints. <laughs> um, so, but they give you like a chart essentially. And my chart, if I could explain it, you guys can see it um, in the link. But essentially, it gives me from March to November. And when you're suppo supposed to, and everything's in alphabetical order going, you know, top to bottom. And when you're supposed to start a plant, it's like a, an empty rectangle. And then there's a line, and it goes, you know, across the months. And when you're supposed to harvest it, it's a solid rectangle. So for instance, um, right now, let's see. I just, I'm gonna be planting sweet potatoes. It's a little, a little late, but here we have such a long growing season. So it has the sweet potato rectangle, and it says sweet potato, the empty rectangle. Um, it has it kind of later May and into, all the way into June. So actually maybe I'm not behind. It shows that for sweet potatoes. And then there's a line connecting that rectangle to harvesting them anywhere from September to October. So it's really, really nice. I, I actually printed these out in color and laminated them because you know, when you're in the garden or you're, you've come in from working in the garden or whatever, um, or life, things get on it. So I took it and laminated it. They have common garden problems on the back of that. They have um, vegetable yields, like how much you can expect per 10 feet and how many it will approximately feed. So I definitely will put this vegetable garden planting guide um, in you. It's got vegetable crop information, when you should, um, how many days until you can do your first harvest, days to germinate. I mean, it's just great how, how warm the soil should be. It's just, yeah, phenomenal. So that is, you, you've got to find some sort of chart, print it, and laminate it. That's going to be your best friend. Next, I would, like I moved, I've always done this, even in my other smaller space, but especially in this new garden area I have, I, um, I took my space and measured it. Not that it was exact, but I just wanted to have my mind how big is this garden space? And I just sat down with a blank sheet of printer paper and it was not exact, but essentially, you know, I got the, the ratios of the garden and I just planned out how, what with, with the trajectory of the sun coming, um, from east to west, what's the best way of laying my garden out? Because when you go out there and you just have this you know, yours may not be rectangle, it may be square, it may be circular, it may be octagonal, whatever. When you go out there, it's going to be overwhelming if you don't at least try to section off your garden 
and think about where things are going to go. Now, if you have a pot at your garden, you, you still need to do this planning for sure, but you have a little bit, well, it's according, it's according to the type of person you are, but, um, no matter what, you're going to need to plan something out. The best way for me is I just kind of lightly section out. Okay. I think here cucumbers would be great because they get, they're going to get, um, a lot of sun because the tree doesn't shade them uh, very much here. But over here, I'm going to do sweet potatoes because they can handle some shade and still do fine as long as they get so many hours of sun. And I just kind of um, section it off into straight shapes, if that makes sense. And then where I'm going to put each plant, I just kind of put a circle. Um, and it really helps you think how much do you need to either start from seed or plant, um, you know, or purchase. And it's exciting and it's fun. So think of your rotation. So think of, okay, I plant this here in spring, but it's going to be done like sweet peas. Okay, I can plant the sweet peas along this trellis in the spring. They're going to be done because um, they do not like hot weather. They're going to be done. Um, and I, I probably could go ahead and plant some cucumber seeds underneath them while they're dying off, you know, in late May, you know, or at least here for us. So think about the rotation of that. What can you grow in one spot and then what's going to grow in the next season? So spring, summer, and fall. And that will help you, again, know what to either start from seed or purchase later. And it's really good to think ahead. That's my main problem with spring and fall crops is thinking ahead in enough time to get it all worked out and get it in the ground. In planning, this may seem really, really obvious, but if you're a new gardener or like me, you've tried and failed, think about what you, you know you can usually grow from seed by putting it directly in the ground. And usually the back of the seed package will tell you or your local, you know, um, one of the people I buy plants from at the farmer's market, he was like, why are you buying cucumber plants? Just put them in this, put them in the soil. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so know what you can plant direct. sow into the soil, what you have success with growing from seed and then what you're going to purchase and keep a list of that thing. Um, garden planning, you definitely need a garden notebook, even if it is a spiral, just basic notebook from the Dollar Tree. Um, because I actually recommend like a bullet journal or something because you can draw in it as well without all the lines, but, um, just know what you're going to do and it's okay to try both. <laughs> um, for me, cucumbers, direct sow, um, green beans, direct sow, basil, I will save the seed or let the seed, um, let it go to seed and dry out and then I just sprinkle it back into the pot. I like to grow basil in the pot <clears throat> because it will pop up everywhere in your garden, which is not a bad thing, but um, it's just really hard to kill a, a baby basil, basil plant. So squash usually direct. So um, some people prefer to get squash going, you know, um, in 
squash going in the spring um, with plants. So, but I have found it usually comes up. You know, you kind of think of cucumbers and squash, at least in my brain. Your soft squash, I should say, not like winter squash. Um, I kind of think of those in the same vein for some reason. Um, so anyway, those usually for me are direct sow. Chard, lettuces, melons, those are usually direct sow. You can do melons, grow them as little plants. But um, those usually, if you can keep things from eating them as they're when they're babies, that's another thing too. So um, I usually buy tomatoes, peppers. Uh, a lot of your herbs are really, yes, you, I mean, it doesn't hurt to grow them from seed, but it can take a while for them to get big enough for you to get off a lot of harvest off, off of them. So I usually buy um, thyme and oregano, um, cilantro, dill, because it just takes so long in your garden to get going. Chives, I started I started some chives from seed this year and they are coming up, but they're not nearly what I've purchased from the farmer's market. So we'll see, but it doesn't hurt to try something. Now I never give up on trying things from seed and this year I actually wa was successful at growing a few tomato plants from seed and they are not in the ground yet. They're kind of being a little slow, but that's okay. That way they're not spindly. Um, and we have such a long growing season. I'm going to, I'm going to put them in the ground or straw bales or something. Um, I've got some cabbage that I actually grew from seed and what's, what else? Um, I think I have some broccoli out there, but we'll see. It's a little finicky, but it does not hurt I recommend every year trying to grow something from seed because you really need to have that knowledge um, in case things really go sideways and all you have are seeds and you've got to grow something. Um, you know, maybe it's just me. I'm not paranoid, but um, it really, you know, is a good thing to, to gradually get better about. And I am not super good at it, but that's the main part of, of planning is thinking ahead keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, and talk to, talk to your, anyone local. It's going to be a huge benefit. You're going to learn so much. Even if it's your next door neighbor that's grown something, you're going to learn a lot from them or anyone, anywhere that's grown something. Um, I was going to say, When you plant things from seed, or you're going to get your own things going, get a starter if possible. I mean, some people mix up stuff and all that, but I've just really found that anything I'm growing from seed, even if that's uh, you know fine little seeds, it's really good to have like a starter soil or a really clean soil. So when I did my starter, I, I went and got starter um, starter soil because it was really clean. I didn't have to worry about other things popping up that I didn't know. Oh, is this, <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I know some of you guys probably know what your things look like as seedlings. I'm definitely getting better about it. Um, but sometimes you're like, Oh, is that, is that a grass seed <laughs> or is that a, what is that coming up? Is that, you know, like the tomatoes will shoot out like those two little leaves and you're like, 
well, that looks like a tomato. And soon it starts getting, you know, a little hairy um, stem on it. But sometimes, you know, if you have just um, soil that, you know, you've, that's been around in your garden for a while, you're going to struggle with keeping it out of there. And what's, what's the seedling and what is, you know, junk I don't want in there. So I recommend when you get seeds started to just go get a starter, a starter um, soil and um, it's it's made of a diff whole different composition. It's very light, fluffy. Um, it works really well. So I hope that's good for planning. If you guys have any other planning tips, definitely send them my, um, my way. And when you click on the, if you're uh, listening to this from the website, you can actually comment below with other planning tips that you have. So. Next time, we're going to talk about, because that was 28 minutes, um, so that definitely is enough time. Next time, we're going to give more tips about tomatoes, peppers, garlic, and then another few random tips. And I think that's going to round out our tips. And then I have someone lined up for giving us some fall crop information. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so stay tuned for that. Hope this was beneficial in some way. And as always, look below for the, any of the links that I have put out there. If I happen to forget some of the links, shoot me a message. And um, on my Facebook page, Leah Hendershot Flourishing Roots, or on Instagram, flourishing.roots. And let me know, hey, you, forget, you left that link out or on the website, because these podcasts are also on my website, wellonless.com. So you can comment below um, on the, if you click on the actual, so you can go to wellonless.com slash forward slash podcast, and you can scroll through all the podcasts and you click on the image or the title, and you can actually comment on those on the website as well. So let me know about that and anything you have, any tips, gardening tips you have, I can never cover it all, ever, in my lifetime. Um, so we're hitting, hitting it the best we can. Thanks for hanging around. I hope you guys are growing something and having fun. That's the main thing. And open to learning. And I will see you for number 21. Bye. Thanks for being here with me again on the podcast. You guys can now find me on wellonless.com. If you want to go straight to the podcast, you can do wellonless.com forward slash podcast. Also, I'm on Facebook at Leah Hendershot, Flourishing Roots Home, Instagram, flourishing.roots. And as always, feel free to reach out to me on any of those platforms and let me know how you're liking it. Share with friends, like, follow, and all those sorts of things. And I'll look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you.